Our Day with the King is a 3ABN Australia television production developed to lead children through a study of the Bible and to grow in their understanding and love for God. We invite you to download your weekly study guide at adaywiththeking.com. So come on, kids, join us now and each week for A Day with the King. Welcome to another day with the King. I'm Auntie Leah, and it's so good to have you share in our worship time as we commence the Sabbath day. Hello, Uncle Daniel, and to all our helpers. It's so wonderful how you help out with our worship time. Hello, Auntie Leah, and hello, children. Would anyone like to share a blessing they've had this week? Yeah, my cousin, she just had a baby. That's lovely. God is so good, isn't he? Let's start our worship with a prayer. Who would like to do that for us? I would. Thanks, Jeremiah. Dear Lord, please turn our minds to you as we worship you. Bless the boys and girls who have joined us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeremiah. Auntie Leah, what Bible gem do you have for us today? Well, last week we learned about more details of parts of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, didn't we? Remember, Babylon was just about to be conquered. So God focused on telling Daniel about future kingdoms. That's why he started the vision with Medo-Persia. We've learned that horns can represent kings or kingdoms. The ram represented who? Medo-Persia. Then Greece was the he-goat with a big notable horn representing King Alexander the Great who conquered Medo-Persia. What happened to that big horn? It was broken. And what came up in its place? Four smaller horns. Yes, four of Alexander's generals ruled after his death, but they were much less powerful than King Alexander. Then we have the dragon-like beast, cruel pagan Rome. The ten horns are like the ten toes of King Nebuchadnezzar's image. Horns represent? Kings or kingdoms. Yes, the Roman Empire broke into ten less powerful kingdoms. Then a little horn kingdom arose and uprooted three out of the ten. This kingdom grew till it became very great. We know from history that's exactly what happened in the centuries following the time when Jesus lived on earth. There's much more to learn about the little horn kingdom in the books of Daniel and Revelation. When we study Revelation, we will learn more about this power because it still exists today. Bryce, would you like to find our Bible gem for us today? Wow, that's lovely. What verse goes with that? Luke 24, 27. This verse talks about Jesus. Janina, would you please read that? And being at and beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Yes, thank you, Janina. Jesus explained to his followers how many of the prophecies in the Old Testament pointed to him and his work on earth for their salvation. There are hundreds of them. Later in our Bible study, we'll learn about a prophecy God gave to Daniel in a vision that predicted the exact time when Jesus would begin his ministry on earth. And Jesus did just as prophesied. 
it would be scientifically and mathematically impossible for so many predictions to be correct about one person just by chance. Bryce, would you like to find the last clue in our jewel box? If a prophecy is repeated and more details given, it is a sign that it is very important. Okay, that means we should study it carefully until we understand what God is telling us. He's always trying to help us and strengthen our trust in Him. We can trust God in everything, just like Daniel and his three friends did. Wow, thanks Auntie Leah. It's so important to remember that all of these prophecies point to Jesus what He is doing and what He is going to do for us. We have so much to be thankful for. Uncle Daniel, I'm ready to sing some songs. Mm, I am too. It's a good thing too because Brayden is here to join us. Hi Uncle Daniel and hi all of you as well. Um, it's now the Sabbath and let's begin with a Sabbath song called It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath, it's the Sabbath, we will worship as we sing. For our God has come to join us, let us spend time with our King. It's the Sabbath, it's the Sabbath, we will all sing and rejoice. As we leave our week behind us and we praise God with one voice. For God's day is the seventh day of every week we know. He gave us time to spend with Him because He loves us so. It's the Sabbath, it's the Sabbath, do you hear Him call today? As we come here now to worship Him on His appointed day. Brayden, can we please sing Dare to be a Daniel? Oh, that is such a good song. Uncle Daniel, this is your song. <laughs> Let's <laughs> sing it together. the books are open. Jara, that's a great choice. This, this song's based out of Daniel chapter 8. Brayden, I enjoyed the song about Daniel. Now let's find out what story Dr. John has for us in his study. 
Hello boys and girls, I'm Dr. John and I'm so happy to see you again. And I'm looking at the boys and girls who are with us in their television sets. So good to have you too. I want to tell you a story about a clock which did something that no clock is ever supposed to do. It is this clock in the city of Plymouth in England and it is called the Great Plymouth Clock or the Derry Clock. And one night at midnight, it started a bong. Once, twice, three, four, five. There was only two people in the whole square because everybody was in bed. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. And one man, Captain Jamison, turned to the other and he said, did you hear that? The clock struck 13. And the other man said, it did too. And off they went. And you know, a few months later, Captain Jarvis couldn't sleep. He got up and he thought, well, I better have a shower and get going. And so he had a shower and he went downstairs and there was the groom with the horse and he said, what made you get up so early? Sir, I couldn't sleep. And I thought, well, I'll get the horse ready. Well, that's good. So he got on the horse and he trotted along and he thought, this will come to an end because we'll get to the river and the ferryman will be asleep. But when he got there, the ferryman was there with the ferry. And he said, why are you here? I couldn't sleep last night. And so I thought I'd better get the ferry ready in case somebody comes. So he went across on the ferry and he said to the horse, I don't know where we're going. And the horse said, nothing. So he let go of the reins and the horse just walked along until he came to a town. He got off the horse and he said to somebody, what's happening in town today? Oh, today is the big day of the trial for murder. Are you going to see it? He said, well, I don't know why I'm here. And he wandered into the courthouse. Now the old fashioned courthouses in England, the judge wore a wig. And here is a judge's wig. And there he was sitting and Captain Jarvis arrived there just as the judge was doing this. In the old days, when the judge took a little square of black cloth and put it on his head like that, that meant he was about to sentence somebody to die. And this man was convicted of murder. And the judge said, prisoner at the bar, is there anything you want to say? He said, sir, I know I wasn't where the murder took place. The only thing I can say is one man was standing with me when the great dairy clock struck 13 times at midnight. He is the only one who can save my life. And Captain Jarvis stood up and said, your honor, Hold the court. 
take your black cap off. I'm the man. I was there. And his life was saved. That was a miracle. And you know, folks, we're all under sentence of death. And there is nothing that could possibly save us except the Lord Jesus Christ. He did far worse than Captain Jarvis, who got up in the middle of the night. He allowed himself to take the place of all the guilty people. And it's good that when we get to the kingdom and God will be his judge, when he sees us, he won't be wearing the black cap. Instead, he will welcome us to the kingdom of heaven. Do you like that story? I love it. Thank you, boys and girls. It's time for our Bible study. Today, we'll see how the prophecies show that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, our Savior. Shemaya, would you please pray to open our Bible study? Sure. Dear Jesus, please help us to understand what we read and please make our trust in you strong as we study the prophecies in Daniel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Shemaya. Jaira, what did we learn about last week? We learnt about the longest time prophecy in the Bible. Yes, that's right. And do you remember how long that prophecy was? 2,300 years. Yes. Remember last week we read that Daniel fainted before the angel Gabriel could explain the prophetic 2,300 days. In chapter 9 of Daniel, Gabriel comes back to explain more of Daniel's vision described in chapter 8. Today, we'll find out the start and end dates for the 2300-day prophecy. But we have some other things to discover first. Let's open our Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel has been studying the scriptures. He knew from Jeremiah's prophecy that God's people would be delivered after 70 years of captivity. Daniel calculated that the promised deliverance was only a couple of years away. So he prayed earnestly for the deliverance of his people. Bethany, would you please read verse 18, which is close to the end of Daniel's humble prayer. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Daniel knew it was God's reputation at stake, not just the Israelites'. They'd let God down. They failed to be living examples of God's love and truth in the world. But God was so merciful, He gave them another opportunity to enjoy the freedom that only God can provide. God heard Daniel's prayer and sent Gabriel to comfort him. Jaira, would you please read verse 23? At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. How comforting to be told by an angel that you are greatly loved in heaven. Gabriel went on to explain more about the vision in verse 24. Can you please continue, Bryce? Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring it in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That's a lot to take in, isn't it? Well, let's break it down so that we can understand what is being said. 
How many days in 70 weeks? 490 days. Yes, and how long does 490 days represent in prophetic time? 490 years. That's right. This verse says that these 490 years were determined or cut off. Now the question is, cut off from what? Well, cut off from the larger 2,300 years that we learnt about in chapter 8. During this 490 year period, the Israelites were to prove their worthiness to remain God's chosen people. This verse talks about the Most Holy or Messiah, which is another name for Jesus. The name Messiah means anointed. Anointed refers to a ritual of consecrating or setting aside someone for a special work. In this case, Jesus, the Most Holy or Messiah, was anointed at His baptism by the Holy Spirit who appeared in the form of a dove that rested on Jesus. We need to find out when this 490 years of Jewish probation began. If we discover this date, we will also know the starting date for the 2300 years. Verse 25 reveals the starting date. Would you read the first part of verse 25, please, Shemaiah? Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. Thanks, Shemaiah. History and the Bible tell us there were three decrees made by the kings of Medo-Persia in relation to Jerusalem. We'll learn more about these over the coming weeks. The third decree commanded that Jerusalem be rebuilt and self-government restored. King Artaxerxes made this decree in 457 BC. You can read about that in Ezra chapter 7. 490 years takes us to the fall of autumn 34 AD. We don't have a zero year when we calculate a calendar year. How many weeks is seven weeks plus 62 weeks? 69 weeks. That's right. And how many days did you work out to be in 69 weeks? 483 days. Yes. In prophetic time, how many literal years does 483 days represent? 483 years. Yes. Now, let's work this out on our chart. We don't have a zero year. So when you move along 483 years from 457 BC, you come to the autumn or fall of 27 AD. Luke chapter 3 tells us that Jesus was baptized in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. We know from history this was 27 AD. So history confirms what the Bible predicted. Jesus was baptized and anointed by the Holy Spirit in 27 AD. During this last prophetic week, the 70th week, something happens. Jeremiah, would you please read the first part of verse 26? And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. This part of the prophecy predicts that Jesus would be cut off or killed, but not for himself. He died for us. It even prophesies the time of his death. Sai, 
Would you please read the first part of verse 27? Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Remember our sanctuary services? What was sacrificed on the altar? A lamb. A lamb, yeah. The people confessed their sins on the head of the lamb and the lamb paid the full price for their sins. And who did the lamb represent? Jesus. Yes, the sanctuary service pointed the people forward to the time when Jesus would die in their place. We don't have to die for our sins if we accept Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. Let's read out Torchlight, Mrs. White's writings in the book Royalty and Ruin, page 245, and see what she shines on this. Thank you, Auntie Leah, for reading that. In the spring of AD 31, the true sacrifice was offered on Calvary when the veil of the temple was torn, showing that the time had come for the earthly sacrifices to end. So Jesus' death on the cross brought an end to the need for the animal sacrifice and offerings. In what part of the week did Jesus die according to verse 27? The middle of the week. That's right. Remember, we are talking about a prophetic week or seven days. Seven prophetic days is how many literal years? Seven years. That's right. Now, if Jesus died in the middle of seven years, what, when did he die? What's half of seven? Three and a half. That's right. We have some very good mathematicians here. Let's see where this is in our timeline. Now, we know from history that Jesus died in the spring of 31 AD, right on time, exactly as prophesied. Jesus also rose again the third day, just as he prophesied in Mark 8.31. Even scientists and mathematicians who don't believe in God have to admit that it is impossible for one person to fulfill so many accurate prophecies or predictions. Only God can tell the future like that, as 2 Peter 1.21 tells us. Would you please read that for us, Bethany? For prophecy never came but the will of man, but the holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Bethany. This means we can trust what the Bible says, and we can trust in Jesus' prophecy that He will come again and take us home to live with Him for eternity if we trust and follow Him. And the 2,300 day year prophecy tells us that Jesus is coming back very soon. Let's see why. We've just learned that the starting date for the 2,300 years was 457 BC. So the 2,300 years ended in 1844. Since 1844, we have been living in the heavenly day of atonement time. Jesus is now acting as judge. This means we need to be ready every day. And Jesus has promised to get us ready for the judgment if we cooperate with him. Let's read our memory verse together in Jude 24, the second last book of the Bible. All right, let's read together. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 
Jesus offers us the power to keep us from falling into temptation and sin. What a wonderful and encouraging promise. We can trust God's promises to get us ready for Jesus' return. We are living at the end of earth's history. Jesus will soon return and take us home to live with Him forever. There's so much to look forward to. Thank you for reading along with us. Just in case you haven't already been downloading our devotionals, listen to Matthew and Kaylee to find out more. (sighs) What do you want? You bored? Yes. Look what I got. Whoa! Look at that! Where'd you get this? A day of the king.com. Thanks, Matthew and Kaylee. Uncle Daniel, what are we going to learn about next week? Well, next week we're going to learn about a prophecy that not only predicted the Israelite captivity, but also predicted by name the Medo-Persian king who would grant the Israelites their freedom again. God knows everything. He surely does, and he knows everything about you and me. Our memory verse for today is full of hope. Let's go over it once more. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jude 24. That's one of my favorite Bible promises. Sai, what did you learn about the king today? That Jesus is strong enough to keep you from doing bad things. He sure is. We may still be tempted, but Jesus gives us the strength not to give in to temptation. Well, that's it for now from us. We pray that you will spend special time with Jesus at the beginning and end of every Sabbath day. You can sing along with us as we close with our blessing song. Ready, everyone? May God bless you and keep you and fill your heart with love. May God guide and protect you and watch you from above. As Sabbath after Sabbath, we Jesus loves me because He first loved me. I know Jesus loves me because He's coming to take me home with Him. I know Jesus loves me because He died for me. listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Television. God bless you kids and remember to join us next week.